0: Welcome to the ministry of Smyrna Presbyterian Church. Founded in 1914, Smyrna Presbyterian Church believes in the Bible as the Word of God and so desires to preach, teach, pray, and sing that Word so as to know Christ and make Him known in our community, country, and world. We invite you to join us in that mission. Worship services are every Sunday at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. Here now is our pastor, the Rev. Joel Smith. To begin reading in verse 29, if you'll stand out of reverence and honor to God's word, beginning in verse 29 to the end of the chapter. And these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in his own inheritance at Timnath Sarah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the works that the Lord did for Israel. As For the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem in the place of land that Jacob bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. It became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. And Eliezer, the son of Aaron, died. And they buried him at Gibeah, the town of Phinehas, his son, which had been given him in the hill country of Ephraim. Amen. Thus far, the reading of God's word. You may be seated. With what is seemingly the death of the old-fashioned newspaper, has been the death of another long-standing practice, that of the obituaries. Sure, there are obituaries that families will make for their loved ones. They'll put them together and perhaps put them on the back of the funeral program. But there is no more obituary section like that in a newspaper. I remember my grandfather every day receiving the newspaper, and he would always look at two sections. The comics and the obituaries. And he would always say, I look in the obituaries to make sure my name is not in there. He lived his entire life in that Midwest community. And so he knew and was connected with almost everyone. So there wasn't a day that would go by where he wouldn't know at least someone that was written about there in the obituaries. And obituaries usually do two things. They give the facts of one's life as well as tell somewhat of the legacy of that person. And it's a good practice, I believe. One day an obituary will be written about you. And what are the facts and what are the details and what is the legacy? What will be said about you on that day? Well, as we come tonight to the end of Joshua, we seem to read that which is almost an obituary. And not only just a single obituary, but what seems to be an obituary section. That there's the death and burial of three individuals. And you might think that this is an odd way for the book to end. The end of what is rather a dynamic This might seem somewhat dry, as one commentator writes. He says, does the author merely want to supply burial details, provide a where-are-they-now section of the main cast, or furnish information so that relatives can find the right graves for Veterans Day memorials each year? Goes on to say, I propose that these are theological obituaries and that the writer has deliberately placed them at the end of the book to underscore his concerns. And indeed, I think that is right. Yes, in a sense, this is an obituary, but it's much more than that. It is a summary in many ways about what this entire book has been about, as well as to point what lies ahead. One that is yet to come, even. One that is to come and is to be a greater conqueror, a greater conqueror than even Joshua, and to give a land that is far greater than the land of Israel. And so we're going to look at this last passage in three points promised, fulfilled, pledge served, and problem that remains. First, the promise fulfilled. Tonight, as I said, we come to the end of what has been a a year-long study. In fact, exactly a year. We began this last August, the end of last August, and now we are concluding again at the end of August, one year later. And I hope you have enjoyed this study and this book as much as I have. And as we've gone throughout, we have seen many similar Themes, themes that have emerged, and there is probably no greater theme than this, and that is the promise made and the promise fulfilled. The promises that the Lord God has made, and then we see the fulfillment of them, and those fulfillment points to even a greater fulfillment yet to come. We have seen this over and over again. In fact, keep your finger here in chapter 24 and turn very, to the very beginning. We see as this book opens up that God gives a promise to Joshua. Beginning in verse 2. Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, and to the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great rivers, the rivers, Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Indeed, there is many great and glorious promises in this passage. God is saying to Joshua, Moses is dead, but my plan is not built upon any one person. My plan continues because the promises have been made. Therefore, the promises will be fulfilled. And in fact, the promises are so specific that there in the first chapter, the Lord gives Joshua geographical boundaries. In other words, this is a real dirt of the earth promise. It's going to have real physical fulfillment for the Lord's people. And the Lord gives it because, as you know, he is a promise making and therefore a promise keeping God and we have seen this throughout and we know that this promise is traced all the way back to Abraham and as has been said the last several weeks that this final speech this final chapter of Joshua takes place at Shechem this is where Joshua gives his last speech and we understand the historical significance of Shechem and we don't need to go into that once again but here Even at the end, we see another aspect of the promise fulfilled. And that is, Joseph is buried there in Shechem. And you might say, well, Pastor, I know I don't know my Old Testament chronology as I should. But wasn't Joseph long before the days of Joshua? And if you are thinking that, then you are thinking correctly But the question might be, why is he only being buried now? Well, Joseph indeed died 500 years, at least 500 years, before the time of Joshua. And even the time here of his burial. And so you might say, why is it that his bones are still unearthed? Why is his bones not in the grave? Why has he not found his final resting place? Well, It's because Joshua and the rest of Israel were following the commands that Joseph gave concerning his bones way back in Egypt, even 500 years before. Again, if you have your Bibles, turn back to Genesis 50, where we see the close of this wonderful and glorious first book of the Bible. And there in Genesis 50, in verse 24, we read this. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and will bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. And so Joseph died. Being one hundred and ten years old, they—that is, the uh, those in Egypt, the Egyptians—embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Notice that Joseph knows his covenant history. He knew that a promise had been made—a promise to his father, and to his father, and to his father—to Joseph's great-grandfather to Abraham, the promise that his descendants would have the land of Canaan. And so Joseph says to them, before he is about to die, this is not your final place. This place is only temporary. The Lord will visit you, and he is going to take you out of this land. And Joseph says, I am so certain of this that when it happens, Take my bones with you. And you might say, that seems to be a very weird request. Joseph, why would you care? You're going to be long gone. You're going to be dead. But Joseph is showing something that demonstrates a lot of significance. And really demonstrates a lot of faith. Joseph was a great man of faith. Think about it. Remember the life of Joseph. He had a very difficult and we would even say troubled life. He had gone through the bullying of his brothers and being picked on because his father favored him. As a result, he was sold as a slave. He was maliciously lied about by his employer's wife. He was imprisoned. And there he was left in prison even longer than he should have because the one that he helped, the cupbearer, had forgotten about him. But finally, there was a change that the Lord not only released him from prison but promoted him to second in command of all of Egypt. He went from worst to first, And you might say he finally, after all of that difficulty, all of that trouble, he finally had a good life. And as he comes to the close of his life, as he reflects upon his life, notice what he does not say to his descendants. He does not say, you know, Egypt's pretty good. You can have a good life here. I know that we've heard about this promise from long ago that you can go to another land and that's going to be the promised land. You know, just forget about all of that. Just stay here. Look at how good I have it. Truly, this here is the good life. Why look to anything else? Yet that's not what Joseph says, is it? He says the promise, that promise that was given to you through our father, Abraham, is greater, is far greater than all the riches of Egypt. So much so that I do not want to be a part of this land. I do not want to be buried here. And we even read there at the end of Genesis that Joseph had a a good burial. He was embalmed and put into an Egyptian coffin the Egyptians didn't do that just for anyone. They didn't even do that for all of their own, let alone foreigners. And yet they did that for Joseph. And yet Joseph, even receiving that type of treatment, says that this is not to be my final resting place. And he makes them swear, do not keep me here. I want to be buried in the place that was promised. That is my home, not here. That is my final resting place. And they did. As they left Egypt, as they went through the Red Sea, as they went through the desert for 40 years, as they went through the Jordan and then conquered the land. They took Joseph's bones with them. And I think that must have been a constant reminder to the people, being reminded that Joseph really, truly believed the promise. And so must we. And so here at the end of chapter 24, we have the final fulfillment of that which Joseph was looking towards Joseph is buried in the land of Canaan the promised land and like i said this is an act of faith so much so that the author of hebrews puts it as one of the greatest acts of faith of joseph's life when he says in hebrews 11:22 by faith joseph at the end of his life made mention of the exodus of the israelites and gave direction concerning His bones. That this was an act of faith. For we know from that chapter, as the author says, that these that he is writing about, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, because they desired a better country. That is a heavenly one. And so Joseph had. The eyes of faith. He didn't see all that he had done. He didn't see all that he accomplished. He didn't see all that the wealth he had accumulated. He saw that greater country. That greater land. Yet to come. And he knew that that promised land. As we will see later on. Was just a a picture of even a far greater land. That was yet to come. Indeed a heavenly one and joseph says that there's nothing that compares to that he looked far off saw the promise and received that promise by faith and says i want to be a part of that let me pause and ask you do you have that type of faith I know it's easy to get caught up in the things of this life and the things of this world and the things that are earthly and that we can see and taste and touch, but there is a greater world, a far greater world, a spiritual world that we can't see, that we can't taste, that we can't touch, but it is more real than what we even see Around us. And we do we look to that. Even in the midst of of the, the, the good things of life. As well as the bad and the difficult things. Because Joseph I think in the midst of all of his life. That is what he was looking at. Both in the difficulties as well as in the times that he was exalted. And I don't think any of us will experience the same type of. Trials and difficulties that Joseph experienced. Nor will we probably experience the exaltation in this life that he experienced. And yet, both in the heights and in the depths, seemingly his faith persevered. You can say all of it happened for a purpose. Every single event, even when Evil took place, Joseph could say this was intended for evil, but God has used it for good. And even the best of his life, he could say that this does not compare to what lies ahead. I would not trade any of it for what is in store. And indeed, this is what the apostles point us to as well, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 9, but as is it written, What no eye has seen nor ear has heard. Nor the heart of man has imagined. What God has prepared for those who love him. He's saying that our senses are not even great enough to fully understand what lies ahead. And so let me ask you again, do we cling to that promise? Do we set our hope On that alone, can it be said of us as it was said of the saints of old that they desired a better land than this? A heavenly one. Joseph held on to those promises. He knew that the promises were as good as golden as they say. And they were because God promised them and God will fulfill them. And indeed, as I said, this is really the theme of the entire book of Joshua. In fact, the, the theme verse could be found in Joshua 21, verse 45, when it says, Not wor- one word of all the promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Notice that. Not one word failed all came to pass. And so as we come to the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua reminds us of that with the burial of Joseph. Well, the second theme that we see in the book of Joshua is our second point, the pledge served. Promise fulfilled, second pledge served. The promise does not negate obedience. Again, if you go back to the First chapter, right after that promise is given, we read of this in verse uh, 6 and 7. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. And he says in verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right Or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. Verse 8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night. So that you'll be careful to do according to all that is written in it. God does not hide the formula for success to them. It's obedience. It's obedience to God's revealed will. Even as he says there the, the book of the law. And we know the... The book of the law has expanded to the entirety of the scriptures. And so we are reminded that, yes, we have the promises, but that we are to uh, enact those promises, that we are to live out those promises, that we are to live in obedience to that revealed will and to the promises given. And as we come to the end of this chapter, we read something of the life of Joshua. And we read something of the summary of the entirety of his life. As Joshua died, what is it said about him? What is it that is going to live in infamy, in a sense? It's this, when it says in verse 29, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died. Notice it doesn't say Joshua the leader, Joshua, the commander, Joshua, the wise, even though I think he was all of those things. It says Joshua, the servants of the Lord. He was all of those other things because he was the preeminent service. His entire life was characterized by obeying and serving the Lord in fact, as he gives his final challenge, as we have seen in the last couple of weeks, this is the very thing that he challenges all of Israel with when he says, Choose this day. But then goes on to say, But for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua was faithful to that and faithful to all the Lord's ways, all of his days. And notice what happens as a result. As the leader goes, so goes the people. In verse 31 it says, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. The people followed their leader. And this is true in the country, it's true in the home, it's true in the church, it's true in the workplace. People will never rise higher than the leader or leaders. And this is a challenge to all of us, really. It's a challenge to us as fathers and mothers, it's a challenge to us as officers in the church. It's a challenge to us if we have any kind of supervision. We very rarely need to look beyond the leader. One of my mentors would always say that fathers set the spiritual temperature, the spiritual thermostat in the home. And the rest of the family members never rise above it. And I think that's true. Is there exceptions? Sure. But as a rule, I think that is an absolute, that it's true of all leadership. And we see it in the days of Joshua. Israel at the time of Joshua, in a sense, reaches its peak. Sure, they might become more of a kingdom under David. They would experience more prosperity under Solomon. But in following the Lord, there was no greater time in Israel's history than the time of Joshua. They had a shared mission. They had a common purpose And they had a good leader. And all of this contribute to the people serving the Lord. As it says all the days of Joshua. And so as you would come to the end of your life. Whenever that may be. You should aim for no better words. To be said about you. Than what is said of Joshua. May be said of you may be said of me that he or she was a servant of the lord and those under them he or she served and served through their leadership and their leadership brought them as well closer to the lord Because that is what we are all looking for and longing for, is it not? To hear from our Lord, well done, good and faithful servant. Notice it doesn't say good and faithful husband, good and faithful wife, good and faithful employee or employer. True, all of those things ought to be. But all of those things will be if we are preeminently servants. And that is the words that are given to Joshua. Well done, good and faithful servant. Pray that those would be our words that would be said of us as well. Well, third, then we have a problem that remains here. Even as this wonderful and glorious book comes to a close. As great as the time of Joshua was, as great as Joshua may have been, we still read that Joshua died and that his remains are still here with us this day and this is not only true of joshua it's true of all those that die in this section we have three burials here at the end of joshua joshua and joseph and eliezer the priest and we know that joseph prophesied about the land joshua led them into the land eliezer was the priest in that land. And so we see a little bit here of the representatives of prophet, priest, and king. But yet we read of all of them that they all died. And they all died because they weren't the ultimate prophet, priest, and king. As gloriously as they served, they could not prevent death. And yet all of them were looking for a greater prophet, priest, and king yet to come. And that one has come, that of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of them were looking to a greater Joshua yet to come, the one that was promised from long ago, the one that will crush the head of the serpent, the one that will Bind the strong man and plunder his house. The one who will take captivity captive. The one who will destroy him who had the power of death that is evil. And release those who through the fear of death all their life were subject to bondage. That is the one that they were looking towards. They weren't looking ultimately to Abraham, They weren't looking to Joseph. They weren't looking to Joshua. No, they were looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. That must be true of us as well. We're not to look to ourselves. We're to look to Christ. It's only in and through him that we are set free. Set free from the power of the devil. Set free from the power of death. Now, that doesn't mean that we will not die, no, we will die unless the Lord comes back again. But even if we die, we know that we live. For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and that we shall live with the Lord forever. And then one day, our spirits will be united with our bodies again and we will live forever in our resurrected bodies, in the new heavens, in the new earth. And so we are truly set free and need not fear death. Psalm 46 says this, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the hearts of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, Though the mountains tremble at its swelling, for there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Notice what the psalmist is saying, that no matter what comes in this life, though we come to the end, though we breathe our last We shall not fear, nor have any fear of death. And so even though that this book begins in a sense with death, with the death of Moses, and ends with death, the death of Joshua, and the burial of Joseph, and the death of Eliezer, we can be grateful that the Bible does not begin that way, nor ends that way. That the Bible begins... With life. And at the very end. It ends with life as well. That death does not have. The last and final say. Because of Christ. And all those that are mentioned here. At the end of Joshua. Will be raised. On the day of the resurrection. They died yes. In the promised land. But they were looking towards. A greater promise. Yet to come. They died in Zion, but they were looking towards a heavenly Zion. They were buried, as it says in verse 30, in their own inheritance, but yet they were looking forward to a greater inheritance yet to come. Joshua and the land and all the promises point to the greater Joshua and the greater land and even the greater fulfillment of all the promises yet to come. And this is where we must have our hope as well. This is the hope of the believer. This is where we must place all that we stand upon is in this true resurrection, in this new life that will be given to us. Listen again what the apostles say to us in 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? A sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Indeed, beloved, we do have the victory. A death no longer has a hold or a grip over us the death is swallowed up in victory and the sting of death is now gone this is the victory that we have in the lord jesus christ and so as we end this book and conclude in the light of what has been said let me read to you again part of that promise that was given to Joshua way back in the first chapter in verse 6. And think of this in the light of what all of this scripture has said to us. That this promise is not only true for Joshua. It's not only true for Israel. But it's true for us tonight. When it says, Be strong and courageous. For you shall inherit the land. That I swore to your fathers. Indeed, we are looking towards such a land. And it's not a land in the Middle East, it is the true promised land, the new heavens and the earth. And we will have it because of Jesus, the true conqueror and king has come and will come again. Hallelujah. Amen.